Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 15th, 2021, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the lore book Legacy's Lament. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 then this is the apparently elite, elite, green-eyed music lover. This is the panda hat wearing, hey, it's Orchid. <laughs> the hat. And for those who are not in the live stream, we actually have Orchid on cam. So we can make sure that she's yeah. paying attention to us. Yeah. <laughs> actually, not- I, I actually have to pay attention tonight. <laughs> I have to be fully present. She's been trying to get fired from the podcast for the last couple of weeks, and so we just kind of upped the ante and made it to where she has to be on. It's my 90-day probationary period is over, as Chad has said, so now I have to upgrade to face cam, and I'm wearing a panda hat tonight, so. But but we were also informed that that panda hat is worn, like, all the time, right? The panda hat is actually my hat that I wear outside when it's cold, so... This is what I look like all the time, guys. This isn't just a one-time thing. This is, this is every day. This is every day, Orchid. Congratulations. Now you see what I look like when I go outside in the morning. Except for the headphones. Except for the headphones underneath. That's not usually there. But they blend in quite well. They're, they do, they're white, but they're really, like your hat. They're really bulky, though. I don't really like that part. Too bad you don't have like the little pull on the tail of the hat where it just goes... Oh, and make the ears go up? Oh, I want oh, like the, a pair of those. The Pikachu hats? Mm-hmm. I saw BTS in like a Run BTS episode that had that. You could like pull on them and they like, made mm-hmm. their ears go for oh, like a like a cool. question and answer thing. It was really cute. I want a hat yeah. like that. There's a video of an uh, like a grandfather doing that. Like this really, really elderly man. And he's just so happy. Because he's watching himself in like a mirror doing it. It's so cute. Happiness in hat form. I mean, Black Flag said the truth in the chat, so he also he also True. I think broke orchids. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not repeating it. So orchid. 
Do you have any special yeah. announcements for us this episode? <laughs> I do. Um, if you'd be so kind as a visit the lore network dot com um where you can find us alongside many impressive lore content creators you can also find our information at the lore network on twitter and you can follow us at focus fire chat also on twitter um and let us know your thoughts on our weekly lore roundups both for podcast and for youtube um you can also leave us a five-star review over on itunes which really really helps us for visibility for the podcast so other people can enjoy Talking about panda hats. And BTS. And BTS. Because that's apparently what we're talking about right now. I so, mean... You know, we could do a lot worse, so... This is true. This is why you tune in every week, right? <laughs> it's not for Destiny lore, it's for panda Wait, hats. we're going to talk about BTS. Destiny lore? Not anymore, we don't. Oh, okay, okay. We're going to talk about the house <laughs> house flipper bunker theories, right? <laughs> we're getting some of that house flipper lore and how peach actually holds all of the items she holds in smash yeah, brothers that's, that's, oh, man there's guys some, she's there's got some, no pockets in that dress yeah there's some dark secrets about smash brothers that we can get into but um yeah so legacy's limit you know orchid actually you guys i mean i'm going to give you an opportunity to plug your your other podcast here because you guys did Legacy's Lament, right? Pretty we recently. Did. We right? did uh Legacy's Lament um before the end of the year. Okay. Um on Guardians of Lore. Cool. Another mm-hmm. Destiny Lore podcast where we also talk about BTS and Panda hats. <laughs> there is a common denominator with one of the hosts. <laughs> so it might not be the podcast, it might be me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um so, I mean, like, I guess for those who haven't had a chance to know or who don't know what Legacy's Lament is, it's the lore book that's attached to the pretty much the quest that unlocks the Lament, which is the which actually now that I'm thinking about it, you guys also did a reading of that card as well, didn't you? We did. Okay. Yeah, we did that as a little lore right after we finished Legacy's Perfect. Lament. So that was a separate episode. So... um so really what the entries in Legacy's Lament cover is really the story. I guess I'm going to stop myself. If you don't know what Legacy's Lament is about, I'm going to just give you a general spoiler. I don't know if there's uh, many people out there who don't know the conclusion of this story. But, you know, in case you don't know the history of Banshee, uh, go read that yourself and then come back and listen to the to the conversation. Because there's really no way to talk about the story of this this one without diving into that. I don't think it's really spoiler anymore because it's been a while since it came out, but just in case you haven't had that reveal, um, which is, it's a really good one. I liked it. Uh, but, but going forward, uh, the legacy's lament lore book is really a, a revelation of Banshee's story and the connection that he has to Clovis Bray, as well as, a period of about 25 days, I think it actually was 20, or 25 days, 10 hours, and 46 minutes, um, that was basically the conclusion of the European presence of Clovis Bray. Uh, it is the closing of the gates, really, in, in more than one sense, um, that occurred. Uh, we have a, a big cast. Actually, the cool thing about the cast in Legacy's Lament is 
one of the ways that you uncover the entries is by finding the dead exos throughout Europa. Those are also the exos for a large majority of them that it is talking about. Um, I will note, or I do, I did make a note. The exos are not unique. Like the there's, you uncover the entries in order. It doesn't matter which exo you touch, uh, because there was like I think I got Hector's entry in uh, Asterian Abyss and Green. I think you said you got it in Cadmus. Were you the one I was talking mm-hmm. to? I think that was where the lost sector that yeah. has the clarity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that, that is, that is one thing that I was like, I was, I was curious if that was going to be the case, uh, because it would have been, it would have been very interesting to see specific entries tied to specific areas, I think, but probably would have taken a lot more programming. Um, but as far as like before we jump into like the characters or anything like that, do you guys have anything from like a overarching summary that I that you want to throw in there? I was just going to say that the common thread throughout the whole thing is primarily Elsie, mm-hmm. but it also follows uh, Clovis in one shape or another. Yeah, for the most part, it's Clovis one. Until the very, like, I think it's like the second to last. Mm-hmm. Second to last card. Um, the other thing is the entries are not in chronological order, uh, which I found very interesting. I, 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 I personally, I, re-or- I reordered them so they would be in chronological order and then read them. And it makes it make it, it makes it make a bit more sense. Um, but when you actually get the lore book itself, it's, uh, it's kind of jumping over jumping back and forth over places. What about you, Orchid? Do you have... I know you have opinions about the ending, and... The... I don't know. I mean, the, the book is... It's really about... Yeah, it's about Clovis one, like, kind of divorcing himself from Clovis himself and becoming like banshee in the end and like really kind of discovering and deciding like who he really wants to be mm-hmm. and saying no I don't want this future that's been pre-planned for me and really deciding that like I don't know it's taking this thing that's been decided and then saying no and throwing it away and then it's also um Elsie discovering more about herself because she also gets all of these memories that she's lost, which is a really important part of the story that people kind of gloss over sometimes. Yeah, because she has all are. these hidden memories that's, that have been taken away from her that when she actually gets, um, when she gets no time to explain um, out of her grandfather's office, um, that's actually like her lost memory banks are in his office and they've been locked away. And so she actually gets those back. So I think that's really important to mention because a lot of people like don't realize that. Yeah. Everyone makes fun of Banshee for 44 resets. Yeah. She's had like 800. Yeah. She's had 815 at least, I think not including the final fight against the Vex that Mm -hmm. is detailed here. Right. Because Clovis is reprogramming her or mm-hmm. trying to reprogram her each time he resets her. Right. Yeah. 
But I mean, I but my point is, is like everyone's like, oh, Banshee's crazy because he's got 44. It's like, yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> we do find out, though, why Banshee doesn't have as many memories. Like he has so many memory issues compared to all the other exos, though. What's we do or we don't? We do. Mm-hmm. We do figure that out. We also figure out why Banshee has not gone insane is even though he's well over the the acceptable number because I think what was it from the Stephen Fry <laughs> the Fry files um, mm-hmm. it's like 20 I think if I remember that number correctly and he's at 44 and everyone's like well that explains why he's crazy and it's like actually this this book also does um, a good job of explaining why he's actually still able to have some facilities there because he was not made like a normal exo he was made to be a bray exo um which is also i don't think i don't think this is where we get the intro information about elsie's exo chassis but it's um but elsie's chassis was built customized to elsie whereas all the other exos were um basically like factory stamped pressed like they mm-hmm. all came out, you know, the same Elsie's and Banshee. And if you want to go down the theory of all the others in the Bray families, their hmm. exos would have been custom made. Hers is based on her actual body. Correct. If I recall, um, mm-hmm. the audio file that you get when you scan the body in the, in the snow. And so like Elsie was thick. <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> Even grandma defends her for yeah. her. Like, she gets called out. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that card. Yep. Grandma defends Elsie for her mm-hmm. uh, thickness. For her thickness. Mm-hmm. Elsie's got the thickness. Yeah, Black Flag told She's me. She's down with the thickness. Black Flag uh, <laughs> confirmed it. it. It was one of the dead exos that you scanned that has the... I'm trying to remember. I think it was one of the, the female exos was complaining that she couldn't get... She was having trouble, like getting used to her chassis and she was like, I Elsie, you know, they custom built her. Um, but real quick, uh, just to jump through the main, the major characters, even though they're not really main characters, um, in alphabetical order, we have, they're all exos except for all the main characters are exos except for the Clovis Bray mm-hmm. AI. Uh, we have one, or we have two secondary characters who are not Exos. Um, but the Exos, really quick, are Anjoli 7, Clovis 1, which we'll come back and talk about him for sure, Clovis Bray AI, Elsie Bray uh, in her Exo form, Hector 6, which, uh, Green, I think you will have some interesting comments about Hector, uh, Knox 4, which uh, Knox actually has a very interesting connection as well that we'll, we'll touch on, I think, a little bit later, Mia nine, no, is it Noah? Noe? How how would you pronounce that one? In, I think we called it when Elmas and I did. I think we said Noe. Noe. But okay, so Noe. Um, I think two. it could just be no. No. But I think we said no. Noe. Yeah. I think we said Noe too. Is yeah. what we said. Noe but. two. Uh, Reba three, which she has a she has a really interesting little little connection in the story. Una eight. Win one, and then Wesley three. Um, there's, uh, 
to be fair, a lot of them don't have like a super amount of detail in them. But the ones that do and the little little breadcrumbs that we do get given, there, there's some pretty cool like introductions and, and kind of um, relationships that are tied into there. Uh, the secondary characters, just real quick, is Dr. Esteban Ruiz. Uh, he is literally in the story for about a sentence or two. And then, of course, Clovis Bray himself, uh, who Clovis is technically in it for, I think, part of an entry um and it's mostly him it's mostly mentioned through elsie's eyes um but to kind of go back real quick clovis clovis one i i think we'll i'll hold off on talking about him for right now and jolie seven we actually we didn't get anything about anjoli uh so this I, I put the name on there just in case it pops back up uh, Elsie obviously is the exo stranger. Um, Hector six green. Do you want to talk about Hector and Knox at this point, or do you want me to? Yeah. Hector is, um, Micah, Micah 10, as we know her now, but Micah Abram from the book, uh, your friend, Micah Abram, that's their father or one of their fathers because, uh, Micah's father's has a, a dual pair and i believe hector is the isn't he the psychologist he is yes he is the he was the one who brought micah to europa after correct after the other father uh had been there he was actually he was contracted by clovis to be a to uh determine the psychological effect of the exomind transition um, right. And the other father is a engineer. Correct. Yeah. And their grandfather, and I think like one of their, one of their fathers is involved in, I think as well, because I think that's how their family was, was kind of connected to the Clovis. There's, there's a couple of different things that Hector, I have questions for too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Knox is, well, Knox is primarily part of the group that went to Volantris or Volantis, the um, Vex mind sun type thing the, where they're getting all the power mind fluid from. And he was killed on May 19th. Mm-hmm. And Nox isn't the... Nox is the compatriot of Cade that runs into Micah with Cade Correct. out in the... Uh, Oh, out in the wilderness of Europa yeah, in the snowy was, drifts, snow he, drifts. My, or, uh, Micah skips yeah, his Knox is the one that com- complains about not being, or complains about missing being hungry. And yes, he's like, oh, is it, I, I won't do it until after lunch. He's like, but we don't need lunch. I know I miss having lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick back to Hector, though. One of the things that I did find find really interesting was Hector is detailed in so Hector, first off, Hector has been reset at least five times because we have Hector six. Um, Hector is also the one who abandons Europa and tries to notify the powers that be of the the. They're not war crimes, but they're they're violations of humanity, basically, that Clovis is doing. 
Uh, he is mentioned in Last Flight Home. It is a letter from him in a spaceship basically saying that Clovis's experiments have become deranged and tortuous, and he is basically calling him out as a sociopath. Um, and he is asking for that. He's asking for Clovis's research and assets be frozen and then arrested and dealt with swift, unflinching justice. He is compromised and is being manipulated. Uh, and, and so I find it interesting here because Dr. Hector Abram, when he was a human, was trying to turn Clovis. He was basically a whistleblower. Um, mm hmm. And then we have an exo, Hector Six, who is the same personality, and which makes me curious about what your thoughts are. Like, we know that Clovis Bray did not always use willing or a hundred percent willing participants. That's the entire story of Cade's becoming an exo is because he owed a debt to Clovis after he botched a I believe it was a hostage situation um and blew up a orbital station uh so I'm curious I I, I want to know more about Hector's story like Hector has a potential of having a really interesting story I think because how do you go from a person who is turning in your boss for basically vi like violating basic humanity human rights um to becoming an exo who is not real? I mean, we don't really know what he was doing in exo form. He was killed in uh, an explosion that the Clovis AI initiated when they were trying to escape in the in the story. Uh, so he did not he did not die within the May the I think it was May nineteenth attack, but he did die later in the the escape attempt led by Elsie and Clovis one. Um, but again, I find it, I'm finding it interesting that Hector is an exo after reading last flight home. And also he is mentioned in, I believe it's the Icefall. Uh, let me see real quick. The Icefall mantle, which is the, the Titan exotic arms. Uh, if I'm reading that correctly, um, I believe I, the, uh, Icefall, Gaunt, Icefall Mantle, I keep on calling them gauntlets, Icefall Mantle takes place right before uh, Lot's Flight Home. So I'm, I'm just curious the progress from for his personality into the exo frame. Um, but then we have Mia 9. We don't, get, we don't really have any information about Mia. Uh, Noe 2 is the Exo, who was given the honor of being the one to shut down the Vex portal after the counter assault on June 4th, uh, which we'll talk about here in a, a little bit. Uh, Reba 3. Reba, Reba is another really interesting one. Reba was apparently a form before she was an Exo, she was a former friend of Elsie's. Um, and Reba f somehow has knowledge that her friend Elsie lacks in regards to what happened to Elsie. Um, and it is actually Reba who tells Elsie to look for the banks, the memory banks in Clovis's office right before she dies and gives Elsie the knowledge that there is information that she needs to get. Um, she is also the one that reveals that there are over 800 memory banks uh, within Clovis's office. Each memory bank is basically a reset. So 
that is she is the one who can kind of confirms that Elsie has been reset over 800 times as an exo uh una eight is not much known about una eight una eight was one of the caretakers that was overseeing clovis during the may attack uh so she's just kind of she's present in in one of the entries she doesn't really have much other than that uh win one is the exo who actually woke up clovis one uh he is the exo who was told to bypass safety protocols and actually got yelled at by elsie for doing so well he got told to do that by the clovis Clovis AI. yes he he basically was he was i feel like win was kind of put between a rock and a hard place on that one like he's like you created me you're kind of in charge um but he skipped a lot of the protocols uh, the awakening awakening protocols he he skipped a number of them um wesley three is called out as an exo who is really good at working on communication equipment um that's his his claim to fame i guess is he's a he's a very he has a lot of experience working on communication equipment clovis bray as far as secondary characters clovis bray we've kind of talked you know, most people know who Clovis Bray is. Uh, Esteban Ruiz is actually the human who was the controller of the Vex portal to Volantis. And he was one of the first that were killed when the Vex initiated a counterattack. So um, that's that's basically the cast of the, the lore books here. Um, so before we go, before we jump into the terminology, I know we'll take a really quick ad break, just kind of take a breath and come back. And I, I have uh, some terminology that I want to run through real quick. Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean? To have a voice. And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I won. I beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones and... <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam. You can't use those words! He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I mesmerize him. This is Adelaide's Anarch movement. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw. Hope Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, we've all got the creeps going. I love it so oh, much. Right there. Screechy child. <laughs> my favorite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter off. Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. Even support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to Cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. Okay, so we know who's involved. We know kind of what's going on with the story. Um, so some of the terminology that gets revealed to us, especially in regards to deep stone crypt and exoscience, which is really useful. I think I really was excited to see some of these terms being further defined and fleshed out. Um, the first one is the awaking protocol. I mentioned that when we were talking about when the awaking protocol is basically a series of processes that, that is used to initialize new exos, um, 
and the the way that this awakening protocol works is it basically it's the it's the prepackaging of software that basically is like hey you're a robot you're not in your normal body this is how you get used to it this is what is used to try to eliminate the threat the threat of der uh which we learned about back uh in the war mind um then the next thing is cloud memory collection and green. This kind of touches on something that we had talked about earlier was the cloud memory collection was how the exos kind of got backed up without having to be plugged in to back them up to get those checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will tie into your memory banks, which is we kind of mentioned those earlier. The Exo Trading Protocol, we're all kind of familiar with that. Anyone who's played the or the the Exo Challenges, I think is what they're referred to. Simulations. Simulations. Mm-hmm. So the Exo mm-hmm. Training Protocol is basically a preliminary version of those. Uh, because the Exo Challenges that we experience were mostly, I believe all of them were custom made for Elsie, if I remember that correctly. Yes. Yep, the Clovis AI specifically created them for Elsie. Perfect. Um, Forage, uh, you'll hear at the very beginning of the book, they're talking about Forage. Forage missions, uh, these are the trips that they take into the Vex portal that is located within the glassway. Uh, That Vex portal leads to a planet known as 2082 Volantis, or the Forge Star, as a lot of people will know it. Um, and that is where they basically are collecting all the material to form exos, including radiolarian fluid. Uh, the identity upload is the process of finalizing the awakening protocol. So when a new a new exo rolls off the, the assembly line, if you will, they go through the awakening protocol. And then the identity upload is the one of the final touches. Uh, the way I kind of look at it is the awakening protocol is loading the base OS. The identity upload is taking a memory bank and actually slotting um, slotting that final piece of program into the, the formatted EXO to give them their individuality. Uh, <clears throat> that then brings to, we mentioned memory banks already, so these are the individual records of scans that can be uploaded into an EXO frame. Uh, and then let's see, Morningstar. We talked about Morningstar last week. You guys have anything you wanted to add on for the Morningstar piece? Orchid? Nope. <laughs> um, so in, and then going back to the memory banks, there is something called rapid memory degradation. Uh, rapid memory degradation we see comes into play at the end of the lore book uh, when it when it's Clovis and Elsie basically fighting back a Vex uh, invasion. And what happens is they are they are burning through memory banks so fast that the hardware is literally melting. Uh, so rapid memory degradation is very similar to um, the need or the uh before we had solid state drives we had something that we had to do called defrag um we don't really defrag much anymore but we used to have to do that where it would take bits and pieces of uh, files that were left over and clean them out uh rapid memory degradation is 
I kind of get the sense that that's kind of what is being done that then you defrag and wipe and wipe it out. Um, so rapid memory degradation kind of is connected to the reset process if I if I am reading that correctly. Uh, final one that I have for terminology is the archives. Uh, the archives, I kind of get the feeling that this is the when you're running through eternity on Europa. This is the place where all the fi- all the computer arms are going through and picking out different things. I'm, I, I imagine the archives to look something like that because the archives are a repository of memory banks. They are literally the storage of the, the the drives that have the memory banks on them. And I know that's like a lot of information. Um. <laughs> it's good information, though. Something to keep in mind is that you mentioned very, very early on that 25 days is how long this yes. book encompasses. Yeah. We go from Banshee, well, not Banshee, we go from Clovis 1 to Clovis 43 and eventually 44 in 25 days. Well, and it's actually sad because, or that's actually, it's actually even less for Clovis because from May 19th to June 3rd on the book, Clovis 1 was not activated. Clovis 1 did not get activated until June 3rd and he became Banshee 44 on June 13th. So Clovis 1 as an EXO really only existed, let me see, for 10, 10 days maybe. And then he became Banshee. He did he did not exist. I mean, to to just put in perspective this whole thing, the book starts on May 19th. There's an incident within the glassway at the Vex Gate. Um and we'll we'll talk about the overview here in just a second, but it starts on May 19th and it goes all the way to June 13th. And the between those two days, it starts at 5 a.m. on May 19th and it goes to 3.46 p.m. on June 13th. So we actually we actually have a really nice, and I'm assuming, of course, that this is an Earth-based calendar. I mean, you can yell at me all you want that it's not Earth. Um, but going off the date and putting it in a perspective that is, you know, able to be accessible to us, that is not a very long time. Um, and in that time, they push back a Vex invasion. They try to escape and are betrayed by Clovis AI. They then decide to team up and then not only do they push back the Vex, but they actually shut down the Glassway Gate. They secure the Glassway Gate. They then go and destroy the, the Clovis AI. And on top of all that, Clovis 1 becomes Clovis 43. So he goes through 42 wipes. And then becomes Banshee. And oh yeah. Oh, and then also before he is reset as Banshee, he gives Elsie the journal. So it was a very busy month <laughs> for them. <Yeah>. Like <laughs> it's a good thing they don't have to sleep, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other the other thing that I was curious about is so we know that Elsie is from an alternate line, timeline. This is the, is this the alternate timeline? Is this the alternate universe? However we want to call it. If it is, I mean, we still have a Banshee. That, and that's part, of, that's part of my question is how aligned with our own timeline. And this, this is not addressed. This is why I hate time travel. Um, because when you introduce time travel and you start talking about multiverse theories, it's not just one person that gets replicated so banshee from 
their her timeline, Clovis one becomes Banshee. But my bet is that the split in timeline, the time like where Elsie leaves her original timeline and jumps into ours doesn't happen until after. I would almost bet that is when that happens. For the sake of Occam's razor, I'm going to just not bring up my problem with that because you can't that that's not how that's not how time travel works. <laughs> sure, but anyway. I mean, it, what I guess I'm saying is like why so there is a magical moment that only Elsie is able to jump into different timelines. No, it's the how, anyway, I don't want to get into time time travel <laughs> thing. It's just the whole idea that the branch of her splitting off of her original timeline. I just I don't like the idea that the timelines are in file folders next to each other. In my mind, they're branches and that they're interlocking and that they keep branching off, right? Yeah, Elmist and I both thought this was before the split of the timelines. So this is like an origin point. And then they went, pachoo. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, speaking of timelines, let's just talk about the entry order. Because like I had mentioned, the the actual entries are not in chronological order. Um, if you start at the beginning with them, uh, you're going to read Nox 4 and Una 8 are the two that deal with the events on May 19th. Uh, June 3rd, which and then basically the next, I think, what is that? Next seven of our pretty quick, like pretty quick fire. Uh, you have Wynn, you have Wynn, Wesley, Reba, Hector, Mia, and Jolie, and Noah, or Noe. And then the very last one is Clovis 43. Uh, the the brunt, or the, the, the chunk of them, the very big chunk of them, are on June 3rd and the morning of June 4th, uh, which is basically <clears throat> the final battle between the Exos and the Vex. Uh, and it, that is also including... Elsie, so it includes Clovis waking up, Elsie and Clovis leading a group of Exos to a escape shuttle, uh, which is then sabotaged by the a, the facility AI. So they then fall back, and then that's when Reba has informed Elsie of her memory banks. So they decide to get the weapons out of a locker, which is also where the lament and no time to explain are introduced because that is the lament is a sword that was custom built for Banshee. Um, and no time to explain was rediscovered, I guess would be the best word before that. Um, so they get, they recovered those weapons from a locker. I believe it's the locker that we have in the, um, is it Perdition? The one with the big Hydra at the end of it? The, the wait, Lost what? Sector? The Lost Sector that has the giant oh. Hydra at the end. Is that Perdition? I can't remember. Anyways. Yeah, it's Perdition. That's that because then when you beat um when you beat that Hydra, it opens up the hallway that you can go up and that's where you meet the Exo Stranger at one of times in it. 
Um, so that is where they uncover, they unlock all these weapons. She pockets the memory banks. She doesn't actually upload them at this time. And then they go and they shut down the glassway gate, uh, which then is, I think, Noe, Noe 2 is the one who, like I was saying, was, was given the honor of shutting it down. And it's weird here because they note that they originally were going to destroy the gate. But Elsie, at the last minute, decides that it would be better to just shut it down uh, and not destroy it. Um, and similar to with the facility AI on June 13th, which is Clovis 43's entry, uh, Clovis 43 allows Elsie to shut off the Clovis Bray AI, the facility AI, and then they use the last of the Alkahest uh, to reset Clovis into Banshee. And before he is reset, and, uh, and they do a full wipe on him so he, he shouldn't remember anything, which didn't work apparently um he gives elsie the journal or the log book that we then get mm-hmm. with the collector's edition you learn most of what goes on with that is also within the lost lament exotic quest um which takes place following the raid uh because what kicks that off um, is Banshee gets hit with a, a set of memories from his previous instances, which is Clovis 1 through 43. Um, which I guess my question there is why why does why do these dormant memories just suddenly pop back up? Um, I don't know if you either of you have any idea ideas for that. Within the lament quest, you mean? Well, or? just like in general, what do you it like? Why? Because they they do a full wipe on Clovis forty three to get to Banshee forty four, right? So then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he is all of a sudden he's getting memories back from Clovis one through Clovis forty three. Um, and I know we have another instance of this happening with Exos with Cade. Um, there's a there's an entry I think actually that was introduced this season that Cade is sitting it's it's him writing in Treasure Island uh when he thinks he forgets for a moment that he's not on Europa uh and he's that's actually where you get the confirmation that Cade was the exo that caught Micah um so we have this happening with other exos but I don't know if there was anything like did you guys find anything that would kind of give a nod to why why this suddenly happened I don't think there's anything written in lore. Orchid, do you remember anything from the the quest line or anything like that that may have indicated why Banshee was getting the memories back? Um, I don't think there was anything in lore that said that he was getting why he was getting his memories back, but um I yeah. I have no idea. My like there's theories that could obviously be brought up, right? Like the right. exos are they're still connected in some way, shape, or form to the Deepstone Crypt because you have instances, thanks to Lakshmi mentioning how certain exos have reset randomly without being at the Deepstone Crypt, right? Like that's something mm-hmm. that got brought up fairly recently, and so the idea that they're still connected somehow to the servers, which are all on Europa, 
which makes me wonder if the servers got destroyed, if all the exos would just be SOL? Or, like, what would happen to them? Like, if it's a radio signal type thing that is connected to it. To the Deep Stone Crypt? I think, mm-hmm. it, honestly, if it was disrupted, I think they'd be fine. Because I think they have onboard... I think me personally i think they have onboard storage and they would just not back up because with the destruction of like cloud backup storage it -hmm. led me to believe that that was it there was no more backups if you wanted to reset yourself you'd have to physically go there and then whatever your last backup your last save point then that's where your memories would would restart to so Mm -hmm. Whatever you had before is gone. So unlike Banshee that like was still connected to, you know, cloud save or whatever before that. Um, so that could explain like why they might have started to fragment because cloud storage was kind of broken at that point. So they weren't updating. So that could explain a lot of the fragmenting that they had as they were doing like really quick restarts as they were fighting their way to like down to the glass way to kind of shut it down. If that makes sense, it's possible. Well, the I mean, part, the fragment, all... yeah, the fragmentation when they were fighting their glass ways was because they were having to re they were having to re they're resetting so quickly. Yeah. They were resetting so fast that the mm-hmm. hardware was actually not able to keep up with them. Right. Which is fascinating to think about like how quickly yeah. exos can be generated oh, then yeah. mm-hmm. if they're, like that is literally a joist, not a joystick, like a thumb drive being put into the next one. Well, and it's I mean, being just pumped out so right. fast you can't update the thumb drive before you have to. Because I'm sure, make the next I'm one sure happen. that it's a, basically an assembly line equivalent, right? And there's only like there's a speed yeah. at which you can you can rivet chassis together. Um, well, we see that in the Clovis facility, mm-hmm. you can see the different pieces in the different segments being worked on mm-hmm. yeah the thing that black flag mentioned too is that with the deep stone crypt um the facility ai comes back online so that could mm-hmm. be a connection that's reestablished as well yes and no but i think the facility ai is still separate from cloud backup storage i'm really wondering if the AI, if uh, Banshee's chassis in particular has a bit more of a connection than even Cade's does, because Cade, with Cade having the ability to have prior memories pop up, that makes me think that all Exos have that. But Banshee is such a unique, like he is the unique child essentially of all this because of course clovis wanted his own exo Mm. frame to be the best Mm -hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility that he built something in there specifically for that so if the ai came back on board which is what i freaked out about when we started hearing banshees possibly remembering Mm -hmm. is that the clovis ai take over banshee at some point I thought at one point maybe that like whenever they were reset or they they have their memories wiped and reset that it was just like it's it was like writing over a hard drive so their memories were still there. Mm-hmm. 
um, but they were just like underneath all the new garbage. So they weren't actually like rewritten over. So it was like kind of like an old kind of hard drive. So instead of like writing over every single piece of memory and making it all like all zeros, so it actually goes away. So it was just they were all still there so they could kind of sneak through a little bit. So they could bleed through that way. But I mean, that's like that. I don't know. So maybe it could like leak through that way, too. Eh. We're just it's all supposition. We're just going to start holding up Rorschach tests for him, and he's going to start calling out things on Europa. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's that's what we do with Hector, not Banshee. Get it right. (laughs) We're just going to have Hector do that to Banshee. Oh, that works, too. That works, too. Oh, wait. Mm -hmm. Poor Hector. (laughs) So, I guess, real quick, just for the intro session, what, what did both of you think about reading the book or this this particular set of entries do you guys have just some like really brief summary thoughts about it orca do you want to go first um i mean i have um i i do know that banshee only starts remembering things once the deepstone crypt raid was cleared so that um elmist told me that so that's important <laughs> Because that only uh, happened like once uh, Lost Lament was dropped. So that's good to remember. Thank you, Elemist. But um, the, the book itself is really cool. I don't know. I really liked it. It's one of my favorite ones from the season. I think they did a really good job of describing things from multiple multiple perspectives of what those last couple of days were like but because they come in an order that is not chronological (laughs) you have to piece together the story correctly and so i think they did a slight disservice on that front because if you're just reading straight through it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense but the last card really makes the book all worth it in my opinion because you really see banshee or clovis trying mm-hmm. it's all it's almost a redemption story mm. not it's not a redemption story but it's almost that was a conversation a story. i had <laughs> we'll get it we'll, we'll get into that i think next up for the advanced one because i have i have thoughts about that too um yeah I, i'm gonna i kind of agree with black flag with his his take is banshee gets a hug and clovis gets the finger because like if you we're on the fence for some reason about Clovis is not being a a hole. Reading what the facility AI put these guys through is just like I'm like, yep, that's just nope. Mm-mm. You need to heads heads should roll. Um, literally, he's a big head. He can roll down a hill. I think we should just push him down a hill and watch the snowball form. But um, yeah. I liked it. I like I like the I actually I actually did like how it was out of order because I like um the puzzle that it kind of created. It was like cuz I was reading it mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where they they put the timestamps in it and I was I remember reading I think it was the first one and then I read the second one and I was it was it was just like wait, hang on. 
let me rearrange my brain here a second. This this takes place in June, and last time I checked, June took place after May. Like, what what's going on there? Um, so that that was when like the the red flag that went off, and once I read through all of them, then I kind of just I actually went back and wrote all the notes, like the timestamps, and reorganized them, and then reading them in chronological order, it makes a lot more sense. Um, I think, and I I really like how you see uh the the growth of these individual exos who we don't really know who how they're connected to everyone there there's some of them who are really connected to each other there's others who have no connection at all to each other but they all come together underneath the leadership of Elsie and and Clovis Clovis kind of like innately or just naturally rises to the to the leadership position um Clovis won the exo Clovis and like watching, mm-hmm. I think Orchid, I think you said it at the beginning or green. I can't remember which one of you said it, but watching him buck the, the path that had been chosen for him. And he, I mean, he has some strong words to tell the facility AI. And it was like one of those reading that was like, I was like, yes, do it again. <laughs> I, I really liked watching, watching that, that development of the character and then the transformation of that character into a much beloved character that everyone is experienced with and has experiences or, or has experienced in game was also a really cool little twist at the end. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> for the intro session though, let's do a round of shout outs real quick. Um, green, what do you got for us this week? My shout out goes to my voice actors for Destiny Lore Audiophile, who are currently turning in the last three files for this book that actually we're going to be wrapping up soon. Orchid submitted a part for this one. She's not Sagira. She no, gets to I'm play Reba Three. You're... Yeah, you get to die. <laughs> I get what? I get to die again. Yeah. Guys, I'm dying. I may like be typecasting her, guys. I may be typecasting her. Okay, I don't know. Bit. I don't know if that's a typecast that you want. <laughs> oh no, this character's oh, played by Orchid. She's gonna die. <laughs> and I have uh Elemist. Elemist is reading Wesley, I believe, for Yay! this one. So yeah, I've got Guardians of Lore hopped in on this one, and a f- of course a few of my standard voice actors at this point who are excellent but yeah my shout out goes to those guys who have been working hard and who've been volunteering a lot of uh unique skills i'm also working on lab records right now and infested potato brought in some of his um haunted house i'm excited i'm excited to hear that one actually because oh, the screams are so good. Yeah, that's for that. that like, I'm I'm excited to hear how they tra- how they make that. Orchid, what about you? Um, I'm actually going to uh, hawk my other podcast for my shout out. If you want to hear um, the actual reading for Legacy's Lament and um, more different discussion on it, you can hear it on Guardians of Lore episodes 95 and 96. Yeah. Hmm. And I just want to give. 
give everyone who is in live chat a big shout out because I like watching this chat just like it's scrolling and I'm like, yay. Um, I don't know. To me, that's always fun watching like the little kernels of like thoughts and theories pop up while we're talking about stuff. It's it's really cool. Um, so thank you guys for showing up and, and hanging out with us. Uh, Green has a. I don't know what that is, Green. What what is that? That a little it's a bush that's a bush ah that's a bush okay all right so great. that's not what i was gonna say it was. <laughs> so we're gonna leave before we get ourselves in trouble <laughs> and just want to as always thank you for your time and until next time remember with wisdom we conquer stand strong stand tall and keep exploring with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focused fire chat links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on itunes as well so until next time focus your fire and may your light shine bright you've been listening to a robots radio podcast smart shows for interesting people check out all the shows at robotsradio.net